Welcome to Season 2 of Homeschool Talk with HCS. That's Heritage Christian School in San Diego, a private Christian home education umbrella program, or PSP, serving homeschooling families nationwide since 1988. I am the show producer, Lilia Sepulveda. Now please welcome your host, HCS principal, and 29-year season homeschool mom, Vicki Stermoen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Homeschool Talk with HCS. I am your host, Vicki Stormowen, and in today's podcast, I want to talk a little bit about some of the educational happenings in the news and how it could potentially affect homeschooling. Some of the things I'm going to say in this podcast, we may not see eye to eye on, and that's totally fine. I am going to be deferring to a few reputable sources who have devoted their whole organizations to the preservation of private Christian homeschooling liberties, and then passing along to you what those with boots on the ground are saying about these issues. But I do understand that reasonable minds may differ on some of these topics, so all I ask is that you listen with an open mind and then come to your own conclusions according to your own convictions. First off is the much-discussed growing movement of school choice. Now, as homeschoolers, we are obviously very pro-school choice. This is the idea that parents should not only have a voice, but the power to make decisions regarding where their children go to school or how they are educated. In some sense, everyone in America already has school choice in that everyone has the right to choose to go to a private school or a public school or even to homeschool in all 50 states. They may not have the means, but they do have the right. So in current events, though, school choice means something a little bit different. School choice, as discussed in today's headlines, refers to a public school setting primarily where parents are wanting to be able to cross district boundaries and choose the public school they want their children to attend rather than the one their residential address mandates. From that perspective, school choice means little to us as private homeschoolers and doesn't affect us. However, it is the next step in that discussion that does open some potentially problematic doors for private homeschoolers, and that is when school choice includes the idea that public education funds should follow students to the schools or services that best fit their needs, whether that's a public school, which of course includes charter schools, um, or a private school or homeschools. And it's this last category that gives many in the private homeschooling advocacy groups some concern. So let's back up a bit and talk about funding. Where do public schools get their funds? Well, they get it from three different places. The lion's share is from the state via your state taxes, with the next largest portion coming from local taxes, such as property taxes. And then the smallest portion, but still a portion, comes from the federal government via your federal taxes. So basically, your local, state, and federal taxes all help fund public schools. Now, how you may feel about the justice of that and whether or not that should be the case is a whole separate tax and common public good debate that goes far beyond the scope of this podcast. The argument for everyone paying into public schools goes something like this. Educating the masses benefits everyone in society, 
And so everyone in the society, even people who don't have children or senior citizens who have already been there, done that, everyone should contribute to that service, whether it's used or not. Similar to how we all pay into libraries, whether we use them or not, or whether we all pay for roads, whether we ever drive or not. So that's the argument. And when we talk about public school funds, that's the money we're talking about, and that's where it comes from. So in the school choice world, the big discussion is, since I'm already paying into this commonly agreed upon goal of having a literate and educated society, I should be able to take the portion of the funds that I paid into the system and apply them to whatever educational choice I make for my child. And those funds and the way those funds would be dispersed are sometimes referred to as vouchers or sometimes they're called ESAs, which is an educational savings account. Either way, the concept is the same. And furthermore, in an effort not to completely have the local public schools feel that loss, it's only a portion of the state tax allocation that would follow the student and be given back to the families. The rest of the state tax, and how much that split is varies by state, a portion of the state tax, all the local tax, and all the federal tax revenue streams would all stay with the local public school. Now, at first blush, this all sounds like a wonderful thing. Hey, I get to use my money and apply it to the same goal it was intended for, educating the masses. But I get to use it in the way that I am personally achieving that educational goal. Well, the problem for private homeschoolers is the false premise of that being my money. The way the voucher system works is that you pay your taxes, as is your responsibility and duty as a U.S. citizen, and at that moment, that money is no longer yours. It belongs to the government. Again, personal feelings aside about taxation and the justice of it, that's how it works. Tax money belongs to the government. The rest is yours. Well, then the government, in this voucher scenario, gives you some portion of what is now their money back to you to use in a very specific, regulated way. And that is right where the problem lies. In order to be responsible and ensure families are using their funds appropriately, meaning the way they were intended educationally, there has to be oversight and reporting and accountability. And in a private homeschooling environment, we have zero interest in the government overseeing, reporting, and demanding we be accountable to them. There's a fantastic article on the Family Protection Ministries website on this issue entitled, should we take government money for private education that everyone needs to go read? Um, you can find it on fpmca.org. For those of you who don't know about FPM, which stands for Family Protection Ministries, they are someone you definitely should know about. They've been around since 1986, fighting and ensuring private homeschoolers here in California can continue to enjoy the freedoms that we have to educate our children in this setting. They are at the forefront of all legislation in California that could even remotely or potentially affect our ability to privately homeschool our kids. In their own words from their website, quote, they work to detect, analyze, monitor, and intervene in all legislation affecting the legality of private home education in California since 1986. Anyway, in this article, again entitled, Should We Take Government Money for Private Education, they say, and I quote, the government will never delegate money to a program without regulating its use. That is one basic issue for Christians wanting to use government funds to educate their children. Government money always comes with government oversight. 
What's the problem with regulation or rules, you ask? The one making the rules is directing the goals and content of the education. When you participate in any education program supported by public funds, you cede control of your child's education to the state. You give up the ability to direct and make decisions regarding teachers' curriculum, scheduling, testing, and other freedoms we currently possess as private homeschoolers, end quote. Another organization, HSLDA, which stands for Homeschool Legal Defense Association, has made this statement regarding this issue. Quote, Once homeschoolers become publicly funded by the federal government, more scrutiny and more control are likely to follow. After all, homeschooling families will be spending government money, and the Congress has a keen interest in guarding the public fiscally. On principle, homeschooling has succeeded as a movement in part by being different. Unlike typical constituencies asking for our piece of the public money pie, we have simply asked the federal government to leave us alone. This has fostered one of the most dynamic social movements of our time. The spirit of self-government at the heart of private homeschooling has led to a vibrant social network of small groups and statewide groups who depend on each other, not the government. The homeschool movement has been a better idea because we built it ourselves, end quote. A quick Google search on this topic will show that the vast majority of private homeschoolers are very against the idea of these vouchers or ESAs applying to private homeschooling for all the same reasons that both FPM and HSLDA are warning about. So that's the school choice slash voucher slash ESA discussion. Uh, But within the context of this discussion comes the obvious question that often comes up regarding charter schools, which of course receive public funding versus private homeschooling. And how come charter school students get funds and private homeschoolers don't? And don't we want to see that changed? And the answer is no, we do not want to see that changed. The point that both FPM and HSLDA are making doesn't just apply to this voucher idea. It applies to any family taking public funds to educate their children. And yeah, I know this is where I'm going to step on some toes here, and I'm not expecting everyone to agree with what I'm going to say next. But I do think that every Christian in the charter school system needs to at least know and wrestle with the ethical issues. How you resolve that is your business. But I'm often surprised in my new family meetings how much incorrect information is flowing out there surrounding charter schools and how that money can be used and how Christians can quote-unquote get around requirements and still use the money. We are often asked here in the office why we don't allow charter students to take our academy classes. And the answer is right there on our website under the FAQs, so I'm pretty much just going to share that answer with you in an effort to clear up any misconceptions conceptions about why we've taken that stand. But for context, let me back up. The question that I'm often asked to address is, why as Christians, we can't just join a charter school for the funds for things like gymnastics or karate or horseback riding or whatever, and then use our own money to purchase Christian curriculum or even just use their curriculum, but teach it from a biblical worldview. And the short answer is because that's illegal. We have a member here at HCS who many years ago kept hearing about how Christians can use charter schools and creatively omit certain things, but still get the funds and essentially do their own religious thing at home. And she was understandably a bit confused by this since charter schools are public schools and it's common knowledge that public schools are not allowed 
to include any kind of religious instruction in the education of their students. So she reached out to the Department of Education directly for clarification on this issue, and their response is posted on our website. Again, it's under the FAQs, under the About tab, but here's their response to her question on this issue. Quote, this is from their email, Education Code Sections 47605D and 47605.6E are extremely explicit in stating that a charter school must be non-sectarian in its programs, admission policies, employment practices, and all other operations. This is still from the email. There has always been a strong distinction between the actual teaching of religion, i.e. religious education, and the teaching about religion. Only the latter, in other words, teaching students about religion in a historical and social context is appropriate in California public education. This approach is codified in law, California Constitution Article 9, Section 8, Education Code Sections 51500 to 51512, and in the state's History Social Science Content Standards for California Public Schools. Still from the email, quote, Having children participate in religious activities at school or promoting any particular religious beliefs is illegal in the state of California. It makes absolutely no difference who pays for the religious materials if they are being used in the school setting, end quote. So the question on the table is, whose student are they in a charter setting? And the answer is, they are the public school student. The moment you agreed to join the charter school, you turned over the reins, or as FPM put it, you ceded control of being the one in charge and making all decisions regarding your student's education. All charter school students are public school students, and as such, they cannot legally be given any religious instruction in the school setting, even if that school setting is in your living room. That's the position of the CDE, that's the position of the California Constitution, and that's the law per the Explicit Education Code. And believe me, I have this conversation often, and I know some of the arguments that attempt to justify following the Deuteronomy 6 charge to parents, even in a charter setting. And again, everyone needs to come to their own conclusions about such things. But it's those that don't realize, often because the charter school itself hasn't told them, and I'll let you draw your own conclusions as to why that may be, but to those who haven't even been told that they're breaking the law by providing any kind of religious instruction in a school setting, it's those people to whom I'm addressing and just saying that you need to know that and then, again, come to your own place of understanding or reconciling how or if you can or should carry that out in your home. I do think, actually I know, that there is much misinformation about this fact circulating, circulating out there. And this is where places, again, like FPM, as well as places like Chia um, and Kathy Duffy have provided helpful commentary on this issue. And those may all be found on the website. They're all linked on that FAQs page. Um, this is also why HSLDA won't accept charter families as members of their organization. They're public school students. They're not homeschoolers. But I think perhaps the most clearly laid out work wording on this topic is the California State Constitution itself, which states in Article 9, Section 8, this is a quote, no public money shall ever be appropriated for the support of any sectarian, parenthesis, religious, or denominational school, or any school not under the exclusive control of the officers of the public schools, 
nor shall any sectarian or denominational doctrine be taught or instruction thereupon be permitted directly or indirectly in any of the common schools of the state. Common schools is just another word for public schools defined as any school that is receiving public funds. So to be clear, note that the issue of who's paying for what is totally irrelevant. What is relevant is whether or not there is any religious instruction taking place in the school that is receiving public funds, whether that school is the brick and mortar one down the street or whether it's the public school meeting in your living room. And this is true whether your charter school is allowing it or looking the other way when it comes to your clear violation of this prohibition. It's ultimately not the charter school's call. It's the state's. And they are painfully clear on this issue. I do just want to clarify one thing here so as not to be misunderstood. I am very much an advocate for the biblical principle that we must obey God over man. And I think it's very clear in scripture that Christian parents have been given very clear instructions about how we are supposed to be raising our children and what we're supposed to be teaching them. And if the law of the land across the board categorically was that whether you're in public school or private school or private homeschooling, you cannot provide religious instruction. Yes, absolutely. We would obey God rather than man and continue to instruct our children in the way we have been charged to because we answer to a much higher authority. However, that's not the case in this scenario. Joining a public charter school is a choice. It's not required. It is a choice you make. It's a choice to join something that you know up front has strict rules about what can and cannot be taught. Reconcile in your own minds how to square that ethically, but at least acknowledge the potential conflict and wrestle with what you're going to do about that. I'm in multiple homeschooling groups on Facebook, and I just cringe when the innocent question from an uninformed Christian parent shows up asking about how to use a charter school but still teach from a biblical worldview at home. And all the non-Christians jump in and say things like, um, yeah, that's totally illegal, but the so-called Christians do it all the time. It just hurts my heart to see that. The testimony part of it, to me, is troublesome, and I think it's at least worthy of a discussion. And it's why I think everyone just needs to think through the issues and come to their own conclusions. But to completely ignore that there's even this potential issue there is more the reason I'm raising this topic. Whether your particular charter school or teacher points it out or not, or whether they do or don't care about the prohibition, the law is clear, the stand of the CDE is clear, and the Californian Constitution is clear. And now you know. So pray for wisdom as you think through your options and be sure that that money being offered to you hasn't become a stumbling block rather than a blessing. So there it is, public funding and private Christian homeschooling and how and why you will find that most private Christian homeschool advocacy groups and organizations want very much to keep those two things separate. That's not to say that we're not huge fans of school choice, and I love seeing all the legislation in various states passing and following the discussion of various versions of school choice that's making um, it the rounds in various states. It's really the events of 2020 that set the stage for this and set the stage for parental involvement and an awakening of what was happening in the local public schools, and it's paved the way for these discussions and really for the recent explosion of the homeschool movement. It's truly an exciting time in education, and it will be fascinating to see how that landscape continues to change in the years to come. Thank you, Principal Vicki, for tackling a touchy subject in the homeschool community with truth. We have to acknowledge that private homeschooling is not the most economical option for many families, especially for single-income families in Southern California. 
I've seen people quickly give up on private homeschooling for financial reasons. And speaking for myself, some years were very rough. I used a public charter school myself to homeschool for one year because it was free. And that was so appealing. I quickly realized, though, that while the curriculum was free, it was also not aligned with our values, and I wasn't at peace about that. Some suggested that I, quote-unquote, cheat the system, and nobody would know, after all. I wasn't at peace about that either. And more importantly, what would I be teaching my girls? We're going to lie and cheat because we want to learn from a biblical worldview? Yes, funds offered by charter for enrichment activities were also very appealing and so tempting. But when weighed with the price I would ultimately pay for those freebies, it just wasn't worth it to me. I can't think about curriculum without thinking of this core memory that lives in my mind and heart. When I decided to ditch the charter, I had to find a way to homeschool privately in the most economical way possible. So together with my girls, we made the plans for the classes that they would take the upcoming school year. Because I always had them give me input on that, then I would make the final call. I made a list of the textbooks we would need for each girl and started researching where I could get what we needed as inexpensively as possible. In that research, I discovered lending libraries. What a blessing. I made the list and gave each girl their own. We made an appointment to the library and we found a lot of the items on the lists, but not all of them. The girls were so excited as we walked out with piles of books and in the car, one of them said, this is so exciting. I can't wait to start using these books, but wait. What about the ones we didn't find, Mom? I told her that we were on our way to a second lending library and we would look to see if any of the items that we haven't checked off our list may be found there. And I'll never forget the awe in her facial expression as I looked through the rearview mirror and she said, Another library? Oh, wow, Mom, how do you know all this stuff? You're so smart, Mom. I don't consider myself a genius by any means. But at that moment, in my daughter's eyes, I was brilliant. And let's face it, parent, that's a rare and priceless moment. What my daughters learned that day was that uh, where there's a will, there's a way. They learned that if you spend some time preparing and researching, you will find resources that you need. They learned that, that their education was important and mom found a way to make it happen. What they didn't see that day was mom cheating the system. So parents, I encourage you, don't give up so fast. Private homeschooling has rewards beyond what you can see today. Don't be enticed by claims of free education from the government because that will never give you full freedom to teach your children as God has commanded us to do. Ask around, talk to other homeschool moms, call us at the office, or make a curriculum consultation appointment with the principal. There are so many economical options, um, including our own lending library in the office. 
which is free. Sign up online and browse our library and see if there's anything here that you can use. Often I see some of our members posting on the Facebook group. Does anybody have this book or that book or this material that they're getting rid of that I can buy? And that's great. Um, community works well for this as well. But never forget, check our school library because you'll be surprised what you will find there. There's even free curriculum-based lesson plans on the internet. And there's so there's really no excuse. You have a lot of resources. One of the ones I can think of at the top of my head that we used on and off for my girls is Easy Peasy, All-in-One Homeschool. It's written by a Christian homeschool mom. And it's perfectly laid out uh, by lesson plans, by grade level, by subject. And maybe not every subject is going to work for your student, but you pick and choose what you need at that moment for that year. And each year can look differently. We hope you found this podcast topic useful and informative. If you have any questions or would like to send us your feedback, feel free to email hcspodcast at hcssd.org. And now for the HCS um, happenings portion of the show. The HCS Drama Club's production of Willy Wonka Jr. will be performed on Friday and Saturday, May 5th and 6th. You can purchase your tickets online from a link found on our website or from any drama um, club family member. A couple of weeks after that, on May 19th, the Music Club will be performing their spring concert. This is a free event, and if anyone is considering joining any of the bands or choirs for next year, I would encourage you to attend that concert and get a feel for what you would have to look forward to. Sign-ups for the kindergarten, 6th, and 8th grade promotion ceremonies are happening now. You can find that information in the newsletter. Finally, as a reminder, if you are doing SAT testing at home this year, you will need to return those tests to the office no later than Friday, April 27th. Tests received after that date will not be sent in for scoring. We are on the home stretch. There are only seven weeks left in the school year. Academies and class days are going to start winding down in the weeks ahead, and hopefully you are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with your at-home school subjects and curriculum. Stay diligent, just keep going, and persevere until the end. As always, if we can help in any way as you make your way to the 2022-23 finish line, let us know. Have a great week, everyone. <music>